my name is Pastor Corrine. I'm the children's pastor. You don't see me very often. They let me come once a year to talk to you. <laughs> so, so when Pastor Scott, tell, tell the people what God is teaching you. Well, I had a whole lot to say, and I only got 30 minutes. So I've prayed God would just hone it down for me. Uh, Pastor Scott will be back tomorrow. I'm excited about that. I hope he's rested. Do you get rest with six children? <laughs> I don't know. So my husband and I just returned back from three weeks of holiday. We uh, wanted to go uh, to the East Coast and see the Maritimes. I have never been there. And so uh, it's 10,000 kilometers there and back, and I don't like driving. So uh, friends of ours in in church told us that they went on a cruise, uh, starting in Montreal and going up to Quebec City, Prince Edward Island, Sydney, Halifax, Bar Harbor, Maine, and then to Boston. So we just took that cruise. It was one week long, and it was wonderful. And my favorite place was Prince Edward Island. We went to Anne of Green Gables there. The Japanese have bought it, if you want to (laughs) know. They really like it there. So... uh, So we went to see her house, and uh, the guide was telling us that Jacques Carchet, uh, he landed there in 1565 and discovered it. And And there were natives here at that time. And I said to my husband, where did the natives come from? And he said, WestJet. I I don't know. But anyway, our country is huge, and it's beautiful, and I'm so glad we got to go. Uh, we skipped down from Boston to New York, and it's nothing to write home about, I'll just tell you that. Uh, if you like lots of concrete and lots of people running you over, then go, but, you know. Uh, so we got to spend uh, 10 days with his mom in Windsor, Ontario, and my husband said the cows, it was so hot there that the cows gave evaporated milk. Uh, so. <laughs> so anyway, it's my privilege to be able to share with you today. And um, I wanted to share with you something that I've been teaching in Sunday school. We now have all the kids down there away from you, and we have our own church. And God laid it on my heart to uh, speak to them about something. I had counseled three or four kids about evil thoughts coming in their mind and struggling with thinking and thinking over these, diffic- these evil thoughts that were so weird. Like, I, I don't know where they came from. But I realized that the devil is targeting our children. And now that I find David Egan and the new curriculum coming out for our preschoolers about sex education, it is devastating. I get so angry when I see that the, the devil is attacking our children at such an early age. I mean, at any age, I'm mad at. But uh, I thought I would sh- uh, share with you because all of you are in that same battle. First Peter 5.8 warns us, be sober, be vigilant, because your enemy, the devil, is walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the battle is very real, and some of you have been in a battle, and I hope that today you will learn some skills how to fight the enemy, because he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. We have a very real enemy. 
and uh, he attacks our mind. So victory in the battle. Do you see this picture? It's a little scary, but this is the whispers of the enemy. He attacks our mind. He whispers thoughts in our head that we think are our own. A couple years ago, my daughter and I, we went to Saskatchewan. I was speaking at a camp, and she came home to our little trailer, and she's looking for her earring, and she says, I'm such a slob. And I said, where did that come from? She said, I don't know. I said, would God say that to you? She said, no. I said, that is the enemy uh, accusing you and calling you down. I struggled with that a lot of my life. You're ugly. You're stupid. You're unlovable. You're unacceptable. Has anyone ever had those thoughts? I just want to check. Okay. Okay. So I want you to recognize those are not your thoughts. Those are the whispers of the enemy. And uh, I remember very vividly, uh, I was in Victoria, and I was driving my car home after something terrible had happened. And uh, if you've been in Victoria, there's kind of high ridges and mountainous kind of things. And a voice came to me. I thought it was my own. And it says, just drive over the side of the cliff. It'll be all over. Wouldn't that be wonderful, just to drive over? And I thought about that. I'm driving. Oh, that would be nice, be out of my pain and my misery. I just, and I never realized where that thought came from. You think they're your own thoughts, but they're the whispers of the enemy. And his battle for your heart and your mind is to steal, kill, and destroy you. So I would like to just pray, because what I'm going to share with you, to me, is essential for victorious Christian living. Would you bow with me, please? Heavenly Father, you are a good father, and your word is true. And Lord, you have given us everything we need for life and godliness, and I pray, Father, that we would learn to fight the battle like Jesus did, that we would stand on your word, and that we would have victory over the temptations of the enemy. Lord, put a, a guard over my mouth. I pray I would only speak your words today. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, as a young pastor's wife, uh, I, I struggled a lot. My husband was gone in ministry, and uh, I would be home, and I would be thinking, man, if I could have married that doctor, I would at least be rich. <laughs> but, I, like, I... I <laughs> I don't, I don't want to tell you anything that's going to shock you, but I think we've all struggled with fantasies in our mind thinking, what if? And fantasy always wins out over reality. Always. And so I wrote a little poem. I started it uh, back in 1990, and I just finished it this week. It's only four lines long, <laughs> but I thought you would like to hear it. Okay, listen now. In the meadows of my mind, that's where I go to graze when things aren't going well in my mediocre days. I never thought that harm could come from thinking thoughts till God showed me its breeding ground for all of Satan's plots. Now, I'm not talking 
I'm not talking about thinking how to fix your bathroom sink or, you know, good thoughts. I'm talking about thoughts that you know are negative and from the enemy. So uh, we're going to start from the beginning. I, a couple uh, months ago, I talked to you about, sh- I showed this to the children in Sunday school, and it's a visual of what Matthew seven thirteen says. And it says, there is two roads in life. There is a broad way, and there is a narrow way. This looks much colorful and brighter. I, I would choose uh, this road if it were my choice. But this is the road that Satan wants you to be on. This is the road we're all born on, the broad road, our selfishness and self-centeredness. This is the road Jesus is calling you to, the narrow road. And if that's all there was, uh, I think we'd all choose this one because this one looks brighter and happier. But just so you know, uh, when Larry Fowler was here, he said a very amazing thing. He said, wisdom is being able to look at the consequences in the future of your decisions today. And we all have to live in that light of eternity that our decisions today choose which path we are on, and sooner or later, this road leads to eternal death. And if you choose to follow Jesus, this road, chooses, you get to go to eternal life with God in heaven. And each of us are at the crossroads, and each of us needs to make a choice. Now you say, well, I'm not making a choice. Well, if you don't make a choice, you've already made your choice, because we're all on this road. If you choose to follow Jesus, then you choose the narrow road. And uh, when I was a kid, the thing was, if you choose Jesus, your life is going to be great. You're going to be happy, healthy, prosperous. There's going to be no problems. And that is not biblical. I want to just tell you that the Bible says, in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So when things happen to you, I don't want you to say God is not good. Because God is always good. He wants good for you. And today I'm going to teach you that he has given us a sword to fight the enemy. Because just because you're on the narrow road doesn't mean Satan leaves you alone. He wants to thwart everything that God has planned for you to bring you uh, back. And so, if you read in Matthew uh, 7, 13, and 14, it says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that his name is Jesus. He was the only worthy sacrifice to pay for your sins and give you eternal life. And um, we just need to ask for that free gift. And if you haven't done that today, I encourage you, choose Jesus. It's the best life. So it's wonderful when you start that uh, walk with Jesus and receive his word into your hearts. God's word, the Bible, is the only sure foundation. If you take this away from me, I don't know what to live my life on. I don't know what to base truth on. And so Pastor Scott had someone coming, uh, somebody who was teaching about the Bible, and I found it very interesting because the Bible, it says, powerful men have tried to destroy it and discredit it, but it still stands firm today. It's still the best-selling book in the world. Five billion billion copies uh, are made, and we have up here... 
Uh, the ancient manuscripts from other writers like Aristotle, he wrote in 350 BC, they have 49 copies of what he wrote, authentic co copies. Homer Iliad, uh, did anybody know him? Well, anyway, he's some fa fantastic writer, I guess, from 690 BC. They have found 643 copies. Now, in another place, they found some more, but I don't, I don't know. I just went to Google. Google knows everything. <laughs> but the Greek New Testament, just the Greek New Testament, has 5,500 copies of written manuscripts that have 99.5% accuracy. Now... It takes faith to believe in Christ, but guess what? It also takes faith not to. If you want to believe in evolution, if you want to, it takes faith. So I'm choosing to place my faith and trust in the Word of God. It is trustworthy and true. It is active and powerful, and it's still changing lives today. It changed my life, and I left the kingdom of darkness, and I went into the kingdom of His dear Son, the kingdom of light, freedom, truth. He has more power than anything else, anyone else. God has the greatest power. So once we choose to follow the Lord, uh, Satan comes after us. The battle begins. And Satan attacks our mind in three ways. Uh, number one is temptation. And I think you all have struggled with that. This is to, a thought to act or speak sinfully. Like, hmm, I wonder if I leave this out on my taxes, I'll get more money. Or uh, I could just take this and no one would see. Those are some temptations we might have. Uh, number two is deception. He's the father of lies. He twists and misrepresents the truth so that we act on a lie. Example, God is keeping me from my true fulfillment and joy. If I could only do this sin, then I'd really have joy. That's a lie. Or, God took someone away from me that I love. He must not be good. I want to reassure you today that God is good. He is righteous. He is holy. And he loves you. The third uh, thing that Satan comes at us is accusations. He accuses us to ourselves. Like I just said, you're so stupid, you're ugly, um, you're unlovable, you're unacceptable. Or, he accuses other people to us. Like, I've heard this one lately. This church is not friendly. Nobody talks to me. Who do you talk to? This church, does any, nobody ever ask me out for lunch. Who have you asked out for lunch? I encourage you all to be friendly and con make connections in this church. But we have expectations. Like, when people have expectations that God is going to keep every bad thing away from them and their life will be prosperous, yeah, God does prosper us. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying we need to set our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Seek him with all of our hearts, and he'll add these things to us. There, it's, it's up to God. So um, my brother, his, his biggest uh, lie, he says his Christians are all hypocrites. Well, I'd like to say to him, okay, so what do you believe in? And how are you stacking up to what you believe? I mean, none of us live up to the standard of what we uh, hold as true and good, do we? I don't think so. But if you have no law, then you don't have to live up to anything. 
I like you, Gwen. I look at you all the time, and you're smiling. That's great. <laughs> so we're going to look at temptation. Temptation is not a sin, but it's like a bird that lands on your head. If you let it build a nest, then it's a sin. But if you shoo it away, so you get a, a temptation, shoo it away. <laughs> then it's not a sin. Because Jesus uh, also was tempted. We're going to look at two temptations uh, this morning. And one is, how did Jesus handle temptation? Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. Isn't that great? But he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, and we're going to read this, how Jesus dealt with temptation. So, uh, I wonder if we could stand, please, as we read the word of God. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a high mountain, very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. So Jesus had just been baptized in the River Jordan, and the Holy Spirit had come upon him and filled him, and his father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Don't we all need to hear that? So Jesus was feeling pretty good, I think. And then this next verse really bothered me. <laughs> it said, and then the spirit led him into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Oh, man. And I know some of you who have been baptized, the battle starts after you're baptized. Because Satan wants to test you. And so we're going to do this little thing. You're going to help me, just like in Sunday school. Whenever I say this is a test, what you're going to do, I want you to say, quote, scripture. Okay? So we're going to practice. This is a test. What are you going to do? Okay, that was very good. So, so here, uh, Jesus, you know that uh, the Holy Spirit is with Jesus as he goes into the wilderness. And let me just tell you, God is more concerned with your character than your comfort. He's building our characters right now to rule and reign with him uh, in the millennium. So we are going to rule and reign with Christ. That's exciting to me. I've requested Hawaii. And so... <laughs> so the Holy Spirit had a divine purpose, taking him into uh, the wilderness. 
and he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. I, I, need, I want to start fasting. This is a time when you make your fleshly desires quiet so that you can hear the voice of God and draw near to him. And after 40 days, he was hungry. And uh, Matthew uses the word devil here. Uh, that means one who opposes God. And the devil knew he was hungry, and he came at his weak, weakest time uh, when Jesus was hungry, and that was the first place of attack. And so he said, if you are the son of God. Now, I don't know if you've ever been at attacked by Satan saying, you can't be a Christian. Look what you did. This is not what Christians do. You're not a Christian. He attacks your identity. And as we learn more and more about who we are in Christ, the stronger he makes us in our faith to stand against the enemy. So we need to not only learn that we're in a battle, but when the battle is raging, being able to recognize the voice of the enemy and the voice of, the go of God. I encourage you, whenever you have a thought, say, is this God or is this the enemy? My husband likes to tell this story of King Kong. I never saw the movie, but we were at the Empire State Building, and I guess King Kong went up the State Empire State Building, and he was swatting uh, airplanes out of the sky. Yeah, this is not real, but uh, <laughs> I don't think. But then he picks up this girl, and he has her in her hand, and he has the power to crush her, but he doesn't. He looks at her, and he said, this uh, illustrates the scripture verse that says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You need to do that. I need to do that. Whenever you're having uh, thoughts, you take ca them captive, and you say, is this a God thought, or is this from the enemy? And like I said, if it's from the enemy, you swat it away and take control of your thoughts. Don't let them run rampant over you because that's Satan's breeding ground for getting us to do things that are not right. So uh, he attacked his identity, and then he went to his fleshly desire of food. He's hungry, and why not bread? In, in, you know what, in, uh, I'm off topic here. Uh, when we're, we're in New York, there's a restaurant called Bread and Butter. I mean, what a great place to go. Uh, I didn't go, but I would like to. So he's saying, look at all these stones, turn them into bread. Well, he could have done that. In fact, Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves, and he fed 4,000 people with loaves. But get this. It says, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of God's wor words from God's mouth. Uh, that's what Jesus quoted back. I have to go back. I'm sorry. He only did what the Father told him to do and fulfilled God-ordained mission. So he certainly was not going to obey Satan. Jesus didn't use his power to feed himself to do it, make it easier for himself. And so this was a test. What you going to do? Okay, well, that was a little feeble. But anyway, we'll get there. So Jesus quoted scripture. He said, it is written, man doesn't live by bread alone. And uh, this is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 3. And he says that every word that comes out of the mouth of God 
That's what we live on. He's saying that the word of God is the words of God. They come from God, the authenticity of the Bible. Leon Morris, he puts in his um, commentary, this does not deny the importance of bread, but it denies its exclusive importance. A life sustained by food only is a very poor life. Very interesting. So then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. This is verse 5 and 6. If you are the son, again, attacking Jesus. Prove to me you're the son of God. Prove it. He, it's a test. It's a, a trick. Throw yourself down. And so uh, he wants Jesus to make a spectacle of himself so God will run to his rescue and lower him like Superman and everyone will know that he's God. This is a test. What are you going to do? That's exactly what Jesus did. He said, do not put your Lord, the Lord your God to the test. Jesus doesn't even say, well, now, Satan, you misquoted that scripture. <laughs> he did. Satan misquoted the scripture. That scripture uh, comes from Deuteronomy 6.16, and it's talking about when the children of Israel were tempting God, saying, God, show us a miraculous sign. Uh, make water come out of a rock. And, and so Moses responded, said, don't test the Lord your God. So in this passage, Satan wants him to, look at me, I'm the son of God. And, and Jesus has said, no, I'm not going to put God to the test. I'm not going to put myself in harm's way just to make you uh, happy or to make me look good. I'm not going to do that. And he said, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And he knew his identity as the son of God. He didn't need God to prove to him what he could do. He trusted his heavenly father. And then again, it says the devil in verse uh, 8 and 9, he took him to a high mountain to see all the kingdoms of the world. Kingdoms of the world refer to an extensive territory ruled over by a king. This was Satan's domain, and it was his to offer. And all along, he wanted worship. That's what got him kicked out of heaven. He wanted God's son to worship him. Wouldn't that be a great victory for Satan if God's own son would worship him? And Jesus might have thought, you know, these belong to Satan, and I could do a lot of good. If, if he would give me all the kingdoms of the world, I could rule them in justice. But he Again, this is a test. What is he going to do? This time I think God, Jesus, was a little upset after three times. He said, away from me, Satan. Do you ever get mad at the enemy? I think we need to. I think we need to really get mad at the enemy and recognize what is happening And he said, get away from me, Satan. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Satan wants you to make God your servant. That's what he was tempting uh, Jesus with. Make God your servant. Make him come and rescue you. You Make him prove himself. Jump off the temple. And here, he called him Satan, which means strong adversary of God. And the devil uh, finally left Jesus, and the angels came and ministered to him. Jesus won the battle in Scripture by using Scripture and resisting the enemy. So was Jesus' temptations all over now? 
No, I can think of at least two other times that Satan came to tempt Jesus. One was through Peter, saying, you don't need to go to the cross. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. And the other time was when he was in the garden just before he was crucified, praying great drops of blood, saying, God, if please uh, take this cup from me. And he submitted to God and his authority, and he went to the cross. He willingly submitted, and the angels take, took, came and took care of him. The question is not if you will be tempted, but when you will be tempted. We all are tempted. It happens in our mind. There are real forces, powers of darkness, that want to stop you from walking in the light. These tricks are as old as time. I want to show you the first temptation recorded in the Bible and uh, show you Jesus' temptation. Now, the first temptation, uh, we lost. That's when the fall happened. So Satan tempts us, the lust of the flesh. So this flesh will not go to heaven. This flesh is carnal. It's of the earth. We will be getting a new body, of which makes me very happy. <laughs> so here in chapter uh, 3 of Genesis, Eve uh, is tempted, and the devil comes to her and starts his conversation. Has God said you can't eat of any of the trees in this garden? Oh, no, just this one. And, he's, and she saw the fruit that it was good for food. It's interesting. Satan tempts with food, a, a natural fleshly desire. And he also tempted Jesus to turn the stones to bread. Now, uh, this is, uh, lust of the flesh is a name, pure physical desire. Sex is created by God, but in the confinements of marriage. Satan wants to pervert all of what God has made that is good. So one of the lusts of the flesh could be sexual sins, gluttony, addictions, drunkenness, adultery, jealousy. These are found uh, in a list in Galatians 5, if you want to look at them. The second uh, attack Satan had on Eve was the lust of the eyes. When she saw the fruit, she saw it was pleasing to her eye. Now, lust of the eye is an impure desire to own or possess. He also came to Jesus, showing him the splendors of the world. You could own this all. You could possess it all. You could control it all. And some of the lust of the eyes is covetousness, envy, stealing, materialism, murder, dissensions. And the third way he tempts us is in the pride of life. Pride, we all got it from the fall. Uh, it's the exaltation of self and is also desire for gaining wisdom. Eve uh, heard this from the enemy. You're going to gain wisdom and you're going to be like God. You're going to know good from evil. And so she was tempted in all three and she fell. She got her husband to eat of the fruit and the fall happened. And we all are suffering from that bad decision she made. Jesus also was tempted with the pride of life. Satan offered to make Jesus, make God your servant. He will. We are to be servants of God. God is God and I am not. We are to worship and serve the creator. He knows more than us. He's stronger than us. And some of the pride of life that comes are selfish ambition, heresies, boasting, vanity, sedition. 
This is one of the most evil temptations. It caused Satan to be cast out of heaven. He desired to be God, not a servant of God. Pride is what we all have inherited. Self-promotion, self-centeredness, self-gratification, self-indulgence, self-reliance, self-protection, self-pity. Do you see a common theme here? It's self. It's all self, and it stinks. It causes the breakdown of families and churches and nations. It's huge. The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. There is only one God. He's God. And, it's, and then Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. He demonstrated, he showed us his love by sacrificing his life on the cross. I tell my husband, you can tell me you love me, but I want you to show me. Take out the garbage, vacuum. I like works of service. That proves your love to me. It's easy to say, I love you. But God demonstrates his own love. The greatest thing he could have done was to lay his life down on the cross for us. And then he rose again to give us victory over death and hell. Love doesn't seek its own way. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. God's way is opposite to our ways. And so if I know I have a struggle with greed... When the devil t tempts me to be greedy, I, I'm not going to be greedy. I'm going to give twice as much. I'm going to break that greed streak in me. And I think all of us knows what weakness we struggle with. And, and Satan will give up on that temptation sometimes. <laughs> if you just say, I know this is from the enemy. I'm just going to do the opposite of what you want me to do. He, Satan hasn't changed his tactics in all these years. Because they work. And so... Uh, Christ wants us to overcome our enemy. He's given us a secret weapon. Christ in us, the hope of glory. He's given us the Holy Spirit to give us power over the enemy. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But it takes, it takes union with Christ. It takes a dependency. It takes resting on his word and knowing his word. And in Ephesians 6, it says, clothe yourself with truth from Jesus, righteousness from Jesus, proclaiming the gospel of peace of Jesus, lifting up our shield of faith in the salvation of Jesus. It's all about our relationship with Jesus and our, connect, our connection with him. He's given us power over the enemy through the blood of his sacrifice, I don't know, is that politically correct to say? The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin, and it is as powerful today as it ever has been. He comes to fight the battle for us. It says, Revelation 12, 11, we overcome by the blood of the sacrifice and the word of our testimony. And what I've learned from going to Antigua all these years is that Satan wants to shut your mouth. He doesn't want you to speak about Jesus or proclaim the good news of the gospel, he wants you to be quiet. So whenever you're feeling intimidated, and I shouldn't say anything, get that holy boldness from the Holy Spirit, and you stand. Just like Ephesians says, stand. We can overcome our enemy. Sin has no power over a child of God. So when you have a test, what are you going to do? 
Okay, you're getting it. So I want to just, in closing, show three ways to have victory over temptation. Oh, boy, i got to hurry. Um, so the first one, we're taking uh, what Jesus did and what James tells us to do in James chapter 4, 7 to 10. We need to turn there. James chapter 4. I love James, the brother of Jesus. James chapter 4, right after Hebrews. James 4, 7 to 10. So, it says, Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's not he may flee from you. He will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter turn to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of God and he will lift you up. So here's the three things I want you to do. And I'd love to hear, if you practice it this week, what happens. The first thing is to submit to God. Call on God. Surrender and call on God to help you when you get a, First, you're going to realize this is a temptation. Submit to God. Then I want you, number two, to speak the word of God out. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. In the name of Jesus, Satan, you have no power over me. I'm a child of God. Get out of here. Go to the feet of Jesus. And the third thing is repent of any sins and humble yourself in the sight of God. Satan sees what you do, but he can't hear what you think. He can only whisper in your ear. So you need to speak out loud. And I've done this many times in my home. I get really, really mad. I speak out loud. And he comes because he knows what we do. He knows our weaknesses. So when we fail, we need to repent and of our sins and ask God, humble ourselves before God. And it says, First John, John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So First John uh, 2, 16 says, everything that is in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life are not from the Father, but of this world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it but he who will, does the will of God abides forever. I want to close with this illustration. The night before my husband was going to become a Pentecostal pastor, and he had worked towards this for several years, we had this big fight. And in the middle of the night, about 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, I go in the living room because I don't want to sleep with him anymore. <laughs> and uh, I'm laying there, and I'm thinking... When you're mad, you think lots of bad things. And this was, I was in the heat of the test. How could we become Pentecostal pastors when we fight and when we can't even get our lives together? And I was going over all the reasons why my husband couldn't become a pastor. He comes in the living room. I'm mad, and he sits down, and we continue our a quiet discussion. <laughs> now... Uh, we didn't know, you're kind of taken unaware, and you just think you're fighting your husband, right? And God sent my little three-year-old Joshua in to the living room. (laughs) And he looked at us and he said, what's going on? And we realized, this is not right. 
This is a test, and we were losing the test. We repented to God and to him for fighting and yelling. We told the enemy in Jesus' name to get out of our house. We were servants of the living God. And Ephesians 6.12 tells us, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And if my husband would not, if we would not have overcome that temptation, we wouldn't be here today. Your decisions are so important because they, they take you to a place. And I want you to know there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in quoting scripture. And I've, I've made up a scripture, some of my favorite scriptures. They're on the info desk if any of you need them uh, to, to use when you're in your battle. Pick them up there. And if you sense something isn't right in your spirit, recognize you're in a test. What are you going to do? That's right. Let's pray. Father, we need you. We can't fight this battle on our own. And Father, we need your strength. We need your word. We need the powerful sword of your word to fight these battles for us. I pray you would equip us with your word. I pray we would be men and women of the word, that we would know the word, we would know the truth, and the truth would set us free. And our society is not following you, and they do not have the same uh, understanding of God's laws as we do. I pray, Father, for our country. I pray for our homes, that you would mend our homes, and you would be the king of our lives, and that we would humble ourselves and submit to you, and we would be victorious over the battle when Satan rages. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.